Do, 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 Power Hour. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Magic Gassy Power Hour. I am one of your hosts. My name is Jordan, and with me, as always, is one of my best buds. Well, hey, I'm Jeremy, half of the Magic Geekdom. Oh, man, I... Ooh, today was a busy day, buddy. Yeah, you were talking to me a little <laughs> bit beforehand, and sounded like it was a busy day <laughs> yeah it was nuts we uh we're actually delayed recording this by half an hour just because i needed to sit down and catch my breath <laughs> but uh, i feel like we're doing pretty good considering that our last episode came out two weeks ago and we're back yeah. at it <laughs> burr, 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 burr. What's... <laughs> look at us being quasi punctual again maybe we can keep doing it we'll see <laughs> uh, i'm actually kind of hoping we might be able to sneak in one more episode next week as like a like a fancy bonus we could probably do that i bet yeah yeah i have an idea which i'll i'll talk to you after we record uh, okay. this this episode but man what what what's uh what have you been doing the last couple of weeks man um, nothing really exciting <laughs> Honestly, I mean, we came back from our little jaunt that we talked about last time, but since then, uh, yeah, not a whole lot. No. Watched some, you know, started watching some Halloween movies. Technically, we watched Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> the original. The, uh, the OG. The OG with the commentary Ooh. from Jamie Lee Curtis and John Carpenter, which was kind of fun, actually. And we watched uh, one of your favorites. We watched Trick or Treat. Ooh, I'm saving that one for Halloween, actual Halloween day. Yeah, I think we might. I don't know. We were talking the other night about trying to go through the rest of the Halloween movies before Halloween. Like all of them. <laughs> oh, hey, that's a fun. That's a fun goal. Except maybe the 2018 one, because we've watched that recently. But I haven't seen five. Was there a, was the sixth one just the curse of Michael Myers? I think. Let's see. You, you have the I set right set behind me. Yeah. So I've seen one, two, three, and four for sure. I've seen H two O, and I've yeah. seen twenty eighteen. Uh, six is yeah, curse of Michael Myers. Okay, so I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen the two Rob Zombie ones, but I heard it's not really. They're not really worth my time. Um. You know, I didn't hate... Well, it's funny because we had this discussion. Kara and I and one of our friends had the discussion about how they both really hate the first Rob Zombie one. I'm like, it's okay. I don't hate it, but I don't really think the second one is very good at all. Mm -hmm. So you're probably fine. I mean, they're... I don't know. I've only seen the second one once and I was not very impressed with it. They uh they filmed the second one up around here and my my coworker that does a lot of extra work. Oh, uh, I, yeah, the dude that was in Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh shout out to my buddy Charles. Um uh, <laughs> he and I were actually he's the guy I did the Walking Dead extra spot with oh, okay. on the first couple of episodes. Um he wasn't doing extra work at the time when that was filmed here. At least I don't think he was, because like, I think that was, what, 2010, 2011? 2009? 2009. Okay, so that would have been about a year before we kind of got into it. But he had a friend who was an extra in one of the in the costume party scene. Oh, okay. Halloween 2. And he actually borrowed one of his costumes. Apparently, like, the, the thing was, the casting call was, you have to bring a costume that's not branded. Oh, okay. So, you know, like, a lot of generic 
vampires or monsters or clowns or whatever. And I can't remember what costume he loaned him. I think it was his, uh, his lounge singer. Easy suit (laughs) costume. (laughs) For, for a couple of years, he had this, his, uh, this original creation Halloween costume, uh, for a lounge singer character that he was doing for no reason. And I can't remember what the name of the lounge singer was, but it was hilarious. And I, I, it's only funny to me because because I remember it. Like I worked with the guy for so long, but, um, yeah that that was filmed in Covington, Georgia, which is isn't too far from me. Uh oh, I lost you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me? Can you yeah, see me? I can see you. I lost you for a second. Okay. I'll make sure to. Sorry, I muted myself because I had a browser window open and it started talking oh no 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 you're uh, that's fine um i'll have to remember to go back and edit that 10 seconds out um and then i won't edit out me explaining that i edited that <laughs> uh anything else that uh that you've watched so far um oh we watched Oh, I wanted to talk to you about that a little, but maybe that'll be a later thing to get in more depth of. But we watched Haunting of Bly Manor. Have you watched that yet? Okay, I'm one, two, three, four, five. I think I'm in the middle of the sixth episode right now. I think there's nine all together. Yes. So I'm, yeah. You're like two thirds of the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's 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 save that talk because I I feel like we could probably fill a good twenty minutes with with just that so far. Uh, so far, I am enjoying it. I yeah, I, I, liked it. I will say I I don't think it's grabbing me as much as Hill House did, but I'm still really invested in what's going on in Bly Manor. Yeah, there are some interesting things that I mean I'm, I would have to go through the synopsis because we kind of binged it, so I don't remember what happened specifically in each episode. Where there are some interesting things that, yeah. And I don't think overall that it was quite as good, but, but I don't know. It still, it still packs a punch. Like, do you think it's not, do you think it's not quite as good because you're comparing it to Hill House? Or do you think like, um, that's rough to say. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, probably. I think. Hill House had a little bit more going on with it, um, mm-hmm. but I still liked it quite a bit. I, I still still think it was really solid. I, the ending, the last like episode or two, is kind of interesting and not what I expected it to be. But okay, because I've yeah. read the I've read the book that this season is based off. Oh, of, okay. Uh, which is it's based off of uh, Henry James's Turn of the Screw from the 18. I think it's like 1893 or 1896. It is it's like that tail end of the Victorian era. And it was originally printed. It wasn't a book originally. It was printed. It was a story printed in newspapers. So each chapter uh, was printed like weekly or biweekly in, in mm-hmm. this newspaper. So each chapter kind of had to leave you on a cliffhanger. So you would read the next chapter next week. And it's in typical Victorian fashion. It is very wordy. Like I feel like you could probably take a black Sharpie and (laughs) 
mark out half of each page and you'll get the same story. It's very, I guess I, you know, I, I don't want to compare him to Tolkien because Tolkien came after. So if anything, Tolkien writes much like a lot of the other British, British authors that came, you know, 20, 30 years before him, but it's very much like I went into a room. That is to say, I opened the door and I walked in and then I was there by myself in a room that I was in, that I entered. Like, and just like, <laughs> like okay. <laughs> so, uh, I, let's see, what what have I watched so far? I watched Mad Monster Party the other morning. So that was fun. How is that? I don't even, I'm not sure that I even know what that is. Oh, you don't know Mad Monster Party? No, I don't think it's, so. It's the Rankin and Bass Halloween style. Oh, okay. I'm sure I've seen that, but it's been a long time. Yeah. I just for yeah okay I just forgot Chris that that Carlock was what it was called yeah okay I need to watch that because I'm sure I've seen that but it's been so long that I don't super remember it mm-hmm. it's fun like I I don't watch it every year I probably watch it like every other year uh and then I watched the fog yesterday or the other morning before I went to work I haven't seen that in a long time either I so I've been double dipping on the Scream Factory releases whenever mm-hmm. the Steelbooks come out. Because a lot of times on the Steelbooks, you'll get the 4K restoration. Oh, nice. Included. So we get we just got that 4K TV a few months ago, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what the fog looks like. And man, it looked fantastic. Nice. And the fog is still a solid movie. Yeah, I really like that. But it's been, I don't even know how long since I've seen that. Probably... A good, like, 12 years since I've seen The Fog. Oh, man, it's it holds up. It holds up well. Um, I, I never watched the remake from the 2000s. Um, you know what? I didn't dislike that either. It's not as good, but I don't think it's bad. I thought it was pretty good. That's fair. I, um, what else? Uh, I watched... I kind of went on this weird YouTube binge where uh, there are a couple of Halloween documentaries I like to to watch from the History Channel uh-huh. that are on YouTube. You can find them pretty easy. And there's one from the 90s, and it's very dated, but it's still really fun. And then probably about like 2008, 2009, they updated it. And the first one is called The Haunted History of Halloween, and the second one is called The Real Story of Halloween. Oh, huh, okay. And... There, it would. It's a really good update, and I I try to find those and watch those once, once a year, and that kind of like gets me in the mood, like nice. especially when the weather starts to uh, cool down, and then because I got really lazy, I just let my YouTube play what was next in line to play. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh well, this one's gonna play next, and then it was a slew of just History Channel. Uh, faux history channel and faux documentary like hauntings of this city and i'm like oh these are fun so i kind of went yeah i kind of went down a down a fun little rabbit hole of just watching local local history legends and folklore videos on youtube i couldn't even tell you which ones i watched just because i just kind of let them play uh i did watch man what did i watch the other day oh uh, I I always have to fit in one or two of the Universal Monster movies. Yeah, I haven't watched any of those this year either. 
So I watched Wolfman. one of those on. And then I was like, you know what? I've watched Dracula tons of times. I'm going to watch one of these damn sequels because I have the sets. Oh, yeah, you have those have cool the sets. Sequels. So, all right. So funny story. The other night I was scrolling through Amazon and I saw that it was apparently a limited time lightning deal. Uh-huh. Where if you wanted the entire box set of all of those Ooh, Universal Monster cool. Legacy, yeah, it was only seventy bucks for Blu-ray. Oh my god, that's at not those, bad at all. There's seven sets in there with at least three movies on each one, so I'm like, oh well, this is totally worth it. So I bought it, and it was like, hey, it's it's gonna be like a, a few oh. extra days. It's gonna be <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like, all right, that's not that big of a deal. And then I went to bed and I woke up to an update saying, hey, it's going to be here on Thursday. I was like, sweet, it's coming like three days earlier. And then it didn't show up on Thursday because that's been my luck all year with Amazon. Oh, no. (laughs) And it's like, oh, uh, it'll get to you Sunday. I'm like, fine. Because I kind of wanted to watch some of the Creature sequels because I've never seen those. Yeah, I haven't seen those either. But I just took my old sets and I just sold them back to my store. And I'm like, well, I don't need these if I'm getting the whole set. Because yeah. I, I was missing the Phantom of the Opera set. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And um, so I sold those back and I essentially made practically almost all of what I spent back. So back I was like, oh, okay. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So I ended up watching Wolfman and I watched Dracula's Daughter. How's Dracula's daughter? It's not as good as Dracula. It's, <laughs> it's you know, it's funny because with the first version of each of those movies, you can tell that they were really going hard on the scary aspect and the spooky yeah. aspect. But when they do the see, and the, some of the sequels weren't even made until like six years later. Yeah, or five or six years after the first one. And you can tell that, like, there's just something missing. Like, there's there's a certain creep factor and spooky factor that's missing. Yeah. I've, At least with Dracula's Daughter. I think it was, uh, like, yeah, it was. I think it was a Cinemassacre thing. The, the uh, James Rolfe, the angry video nerd, game nerd dude, mm-hmm. like, reviewed all the Invisible Man ones. And just was going through and like, yeah, none of them are as good as the first one. But this one's pretty fun. This one's not very good. <laughs> but basically kind of saying, you know, they're all sort of lacking compared to the first one. But I can't remember which one he said. One of them he said was actually almost as good as the first one. Was but it that... Invisible Woman? Uh, it may have been. But yeah, just saying that in general, a lot of those sequels are still pretty, they're still fun, but they're not as good as... The initial ones. I can't remember if we've talked about this or not, but did you watch the new Invisible Man with... Um... Yes, that was actually the last thing Karen I saw in a theater before everything closed. <laughs> oh, man. I, I really wanted to make it out to the theater to see that. And it was... I was thinking about going the week everything started to close. And, you know, I'm obviously I'm glad I didn't go. But, yeah. Um, man... It, I really liked it. It was really good. <laughs> I really liked it. And yeah. I guess, and I think one of the reasons that I really liked it was it was, I think it was done by the, one of the guys that did, or the guy that did the, uh, the Hill House, Haunting of Hill House. Because what's his face? 
the guy who played Luke. And also the guy who plays Peter Quint in uh, Bly Manor was was the boyfriend. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, we were, we were realizing that. So we're watching it. It's like, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, the same was it the right because the the writer of that's done a bunch of other stuff that now I'm like interested in watching, too, that like other horror movies mm-hmm. that have pretty good reviews, but I haven't seen any of them. So I'm like, oh, okay. I liked Bly Manor. I liked Hill House. Like, we should probably watch some of this guy's other movies. I, uh, was it Mike Flanagan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He Everything that I've seen his name attached to has been, has been really good. Um, and if I haven't seen it, like, people I know have seen it and have, have given it pretty good praise. And his wife is one of the sisters in the the Victorian like flashback part of it. His wife Bly Manor. His wife is um in in Hill House, the season of Hill House, it's the lady who plays Theo. Okay, yeah. So the psychologist who always wears the gloves. Yeah. Yeah. And then she wrote some of the stuff with him too, some of the other movies. So I'm like, oh okay. Should actually check some of that stuff out. Yeah. Uh, but no, I'm I'm waiting for that Universal Monster set to show up, and then I got another. I was supposed to get two things on Thursday from Amazon. I pre-ordered. Speaking of Scream Factory and Steelbooks, I pre-ordered the Pumpkinhead Steelbook like back in June. Oh yeah, I remember you telling me that. And it was supposed to get here on the twentieth, and now it's now it should be getting here on Halloween Day. So I'm not even uh-huh. going to get a chance to see it unless I get it early in the day. I, I probably yeah. won't uh, get a chance to to watch it, but that's fine because I I'll I, I'll just add it to this Scream Factory Steelbook. My <laughs> hard copy I've I've been looking at my Blu-ray shelf, and my hard copy collection is just dwindling. Like as as I replace them with digital copies, I am starting to just not feel an attachment to physical media. That's fair. I went through and sold another little chunk of mine like earlier this year, like at the beginning of this year. And yeah, I still have quite a few. <laughs> I yeah. still have a couple shelves of stuff. And I'm, yeah, like Kara and I were talking about like what we're going to do when our lease is up in our apartment. And she's like, you know, I think we're at the point where we don't really want to get rid of anything we have now, really. <laughs> yeah. We've done that a couple of times even since we've been here. Have gotten rid of a few more things, so I don't know. Also, uh, oh, since we've last talked, I did buy a new turntable because I didn't have one. <laughs> oh, what'd you get? <sighs> um, it's was a brand I hadn't really heard of called... I think it's one by one or something, but it has like an audio technica cartridge in it. And it, I should show, like, send you a link or show you a picture of it. It's like actually yeah. really nice. I like it. Audio Technica makes good, I think they're a good newer turntable company. But, um, yeah, it was, it's got like, you know, the USB out and the Bluetooth connection and stuff on it too. So, you know, the stuff that we bought while we were on our last trip, 
I've actually listened to most of it now. <laughs> nice. Uh, oh. That, um, uh, oh, go ahead. Jack White Muppet Seven Inch is really fun. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. It's so good. Did you ever? Did you see him when he was on the show? Uh, weirdly enough, that is the only episode of that show I didn't end up watching. So I should because it's on like Disney Plus. Yeah, it was the finale. Yeah, it was the last episode, and I didn't end up watching it for some reason. But um, yeah, because I I actually I mean. It's no original Muppet show or anything, but like it, it was a fun show. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've got turntable, listened to most of the stuff we've got on our trip, at least that I bought, and broke out some stuff. It's funny because I was buying things on vinyl when I had a turntable that wasn't working. I'm just like, I'm going to fix this eventually. And it was actually, it wasn't just a turntable. It was a big like console stereo from like the sixties. Oh, nice. And it was cool, but it was really heavy. So when we moved, we just sold it because I hadn't fixed, fixed it. Like it worked, but it didn't work well. It needed like a new motor or belts or something, but, um, it was super heavy. So when we were moving cross country, we just sold it. So I had records that I hadn't even opened. (laughs) Or like oh, that wow. I had for like three or four years. That was like, oh, I bought it on Amazon, which gave me a digital copy. So I didn't even open some of them to take the digital copies out, papers out. Which is why I texted you the other day with that uh, Jack White acoustic thing, which I figured you probably already had. But I'm like, I already have a digital copy of it. I don't really need another one. If you don't have it, go for it. Man, yeah, I've, especially, like, now, since I've just accidentally stayed subscribed. I'm purposefully staying subscribed now, but <laughs> when I accidentally stay uh, subscribed to uh, Apple Music, like, I just feel like I'm, I can, like, yeah, you know what, I can, I'll just roll with this. So, like, digital copy or not, I'm like, ah, I have access to it. Yeah. Um. I did. I did already have um, a, a digital copy of that from from whenever I bought my copy of the the Lazaretto LP. Oh, well, that one actually was the acoustic recordings. Like, two oh, that's right. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I I, I did actually cash in the Lazaretto one since I bought that from Third Man. So, uh, did you see that Third Man is doing a special release for the next McCartney album? I did see that yesterday. And then went and looked at it, and it's like, oh, all the the Third Man exclusive ones are sold out. Already. Yeah, nah, that doesn't surprise me. It was $60. Yeah, the the special, special one. But it was kind of cool that they had, like, recycled copies of McCartney 1 and 2 to put the black circles inside the vinyl. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Oh, another thing. Oh, yeah, something we did do yesterday. Uh, we got COVID tested. <laughs> oh, how did... Oh, I hope you're negative. Oh, yeah, we were. Okay, good. <laughs> but, uh, on Monday, Kara wasn't feeling super great. So we were, like, kind of... Like, well, maybe we should go do this. So we went on Tuesday and went too late because we had something else we had to do. And we saw the line for, like, the testing site in Orlando and went, oh, we're not going to be done with this in time. So we went back yesterday 
And yeah, it took, we had results back by the time we drove back home. Oh, wow. They had emailed and texted us going, okay, you can go look at your results. And thankfully, hey, yay, negative. Woo. So we did go do that. That was fun. Got my nose swabbed. Didn't yeah, feel great. I was about to say, how did that feel? Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it still wasn't. didn't feel good. Yeah, the prospect of just something going up my nostril just... Well, the way some people explained it, I thought they were going to shove that thing like way up my nostril. Maybe they did initially. And these are like newer tests or whatever, but they just kind of rolled it around in my nostril, but it was kind of hard, you know, like had a lot of pressure where it was like, oh, that kind of hurt for a minute. And then when they did it, like I kind of felt like I had to sneeze for a couple minutes after and then that went away and I'm just like, okay, that was a thing. I'm fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So yeah, did that. Found out that it's relatively painless. (laughs) And well, I guess there's one that takes like up to 72 hours that is more accurate. If you think you've been around someone that had it, they recommend you do that as opposed to this one that they get the results back in like 20 minutes. Um, but we both really hadn't been around anyone that we knew of. She just wasn't feeling well. So did that and apparently we're fine. So yeah, that's well, good. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. Man, speaking, uh, well, I I did a couple of haunted houses a lot over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I've popped some videos out over on YouTube, the Jordan Gasly YouTube page. Cheap. Yes, yeah, as, as you should check them out. They, well, I haven't watched the second one yet, but the first one was fun. So the, sure second the, second one, fun. the second one, all right, so the second one was a smaller haunt, but, and to their credit, uh, they were making everybody wear masks, and everybody... About 98, 99% of the people there were really cool about keeping their masks on. I'm like, okay, that's cool. However, there was zero social distancing. Like, in the lines, um, we got lucky. The first line that we were in, the people behind us were being cool, and we were staying six feet away from the people ahead of us. So we got lucky the first go-round. Oh, they were also uh, screening temperatures. On the, on the good. way in. So, um, but by the time we got through the first trail, or the first haunt, and we did the second one, there were easily, God, there had to be like 200 people. 200, maybe 300 people in line. Wow. And I was like, I, buddy, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Yeah. And uh, so we found out that we could pay the extra $10 and upgrade to Fast Passes. And you, you done did that? <laughs> yeah, we did. We did that. And the the cost of this of this haunt was not bad. It was twenty five dollars for two houses. Oh, that's not bad. Twenty five dollars plus tax, and then like another eight dollars plus tax for the fast pass. Roughly about ten bucks. So like thirty five, thirty six bucks for two two haunts. And so we upgraded, and then. The second we got our ticket, we got shot up to the front of the line. I was like, oh, this was such a, a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then by the time we were out of the second uh, haunt, we just kind of uh, we just kind of roamed around. I say we. It was me and my buddy Morgan from uh, Tiki Goon. Uh, my buddy Morgan there. Um, so shout out to Morgan and his YouTube channel. But 
Yeah, that's that's what we did. And I was like, if I have something tells me if I feel bad around Wednesday, I'm going to have to go take a COVID test. Yeah. And uh, luckily, I've 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 been fine. So. Well, now, you know, it's not so terrible <laughs> to go do it. But um, yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to. <laughs> Oof. Man, I I'm kind of low key getting excited for the PlayStation Five. Oh yeah, is that next or is that it's this like, weekend or is it next week? No, it's not till. Oh, it's November. November. Yeah, for some reason I'm thinking. We've got like maybe like less than four weeks, a little bit less than four weeks, three and a half weeks. Okay. Okay. So. I don't know why I immediately thought of that. That whenever I ended the the COVID test conversation, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know why why my brain segued that way. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe I was thinking about just waiting in long lines, and I'm like, Ugh, that's going to be a long line waiting to get that PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Yeah, but yeah, you get to play some some Miles Morales. Yeah, and I can't decide if I want to keep my pre-order for that or if I want to switch it over to Assassin's Creed. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because on, on one hand, I'm like, well, I can just put Assassin's Creed on my Christmas list. Yeah. But, meh. I know, I was like, I have the PlayStation Plus. And I'm like, oh, if they let me do what they did before, I should go in, because like, apparently they're going to give away like two games a month for the PS5. Oh, I'm like, oh, I should just go claim those. So when eventually <laughs> I get one, then I'll have some games already. I was looking at GameStop's trade-in credit, and you know, GameStop their trade-in credits usually kind of crap. Yeah, but oh, excuse me, I just totally belched into this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you want to hear. Um, I was, I was thinking, I'm like, all right. Well, if this sucker plays all of the PlayStation 4 games, which includes the stuff that you can download from the PlayStation Network mm-hmm. or the PlayStation Shop, I really don't have a need for the PlayStation 4. So, yeah, not really. It's if I want a Blu-ray player in a different room, I can keep my PlayStation 4 or I can trade it in for $140 credit or $113 cash. Yeah, I would just probably trade that in. You can buy a Blu-ray player if you want a second Blu-ray player for well, like forty dollars or something now. Oh, if you oh yeah, you still have PS3. You don't yeah, I still have the PS3. And the only reason I sold my PS3 is because that's the only way I can play all the PS1 games that I downloaded from the PlayStation Network. Yeah. So my PS3. It's in our bedroom. It's our like Blu-ray player in our bedroom <laughs> that occasionally gets <laughs> games played on it. Very occasionally. But even then you know, kind of going back to the streaming thing. Like, I, I feel like I have digital copies of everything. I can just stream in any room. Yeah. At that point. So I don't know. I might, I might just, I feel like I've gotten my $200 worth or $300 worth out of my PlayStation 4. Yeah. I might just take the money. I might just take the $113 cash. And just yeah. put that on the credit card. <laughs> well, yeah. use that for. It's supposed Christmas. to play what, like. 90-something percent of PlayStation 4 games. Yeah, it was like 98, 99% or something yeah, like, like that. The vast majority of them. 
I feel like there's you can find a list of the ones that it won't play, and it's oh, like okay. maybe a list of like ten or fifteen, and some oh, of boy. them I think are just weird out there titles. Like I think one of the just dances were on there, but like, you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, I can't decide if I want to get the camera. Yeah, I mean, if I know you're talking about like doing stuff with mutineers, like streaming or something. That might be worth it. Otherwise, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I have the one for the PS4. Uh, it recognizes me when I turn it on. And then <laughs> the occasional time that I've streamed with it, like I got it. And if I had the PSVR, you'd need it. But I think the VR kits come with one because you need it. <laughs> um, so I would assume the same thing would happen with the the whatever new PSVR comes out for the PlayStation 5. Because I think that's supposed to be a thing that's coming out eventually is another mo- a newer model of that. So, I don't know. If you think yeah. you use it to stream, I'd say go for it. But otherwise, maybe you don't need it. I don't they're know. Not, they're not super expensive. Like they're, It's not like it's $100. It's only yeah. like 60 bucks. It's the cost think, of a game. Yeah, I think it was like 50 or 60 for the one for the PS4. So, I don't know. I might go for it. Hey, listener, should I buy a PlayStation 5 <laughs> camera and maybe do streaming stuff? I feel like I would be the most boring video game streamer. I feel like streaming <laughs> the Disney Infinity 3.0 when it came out, the Star Wars one. Oh, nice. That was kind of fun. And we did Goat Simulator a couple of times. <laughs> I got Goat Simulator for free. I it's can't ridiculous. remember if it was on the PS3 or the PS4, but it was free. And I, I just sat there for an hour just throwing this goat into the air going, why is this so amusing? I don't know, but it kind of is. And then um, we play Quiplash sometimes. Oh, and um, oh, what's it called? The, uh, the, the horror like kind of story game with Hayden Panettiere, the... Uh, Why can't I think of what it's called? I uh, own it. Hold on, I'll look it up. And the I'm Man of Man of Madon is like a sort of sequel to it. Supermassive made it. So our our buddy Sean um, from Sean Roselle's Negro Orlando. Um, actually, I think it's just Sean Roselle now. I don't think I he, believe I it think, is. Yeah, yeah. He told me that um, man. What is it? Man from Merdan? Merdan? Madon or whatever. He told me that I would probably like that game because it has a really big creep factor to it. Yeah, you would probably like it. It's fun. Um, I have it. I was going to say, like, I, if you're ever bored, I could just send it to you and you can send it back when you're done if you want. <laughs> I might take you up on that. Um, until Dawn. Until Dawn, yeah. yeah. We streamed um, until dawn, which is when Kara punched me because a deer jumped out and it scared her. And, and so her wait, so her response was to punch you? Yes. She wasn't even the one playing. I was playing. She was just sitting next to me while I was playing. I feel like I feel like it's a lot of unwarranted violence. <laughs> and I was just like, ow, you just hit me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody yeah, brought this fun. game. Oh, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine. You uh, probably like those, though. 
somebody brought this game to my attention, and I, we'll, we'll mention this because we're at 40 minutes already, and we've just kind of been blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but... Well, probably about like 30 minutes because I feel like we were talking for 10 minutes before we actually started. Um, somebody... It's it's a Steam only game called Phantasmophobia, which is no, it's Phantasm, oh. which is fear of ghosts. Oh, is okay. Because it Phantasmagoria is like a super old game. Yeah, and it's a, you're apparently a paranormal investigator, and you use paranormal investigator tools like the K two meters and the oh, okay. digital voice recorders. And it's first-person view, which uh, I'm not a big fan of, but I'll, you know, I'll try it. Give it a shot for that. I'll give yeah. it a shot. But it's only on Steam, and I don't think I can run Steam on my MacBook. I bet you can run Steam. I just don't know if you could run every game you could download on Steam. That's that's fair. So I don't know if I can run Phantasmophobia because I would probably throw the fifteen dollars at it, and I was kind yeah. of hoping, I was kind of hoping that it would eventually get either a a PS4, PS5, or a Switch release. Oh, it reminds me, I need to pick up, I need to get that Blair Witch game because they put it on the Switch. Oh, did they? Yeah. So. Phantasmophobia. Phantophobia? Phantasmophobia? Looks like it's Phantasmophobia. Okay. But it's two words. Oh, is it VR? It can be VR. Oh, okay. It's it's phobia yeah. Mac download. So a friend of mine that I used to work with said, "Hey, uh, I think you'd. I've been playing this and it's really good. I think you'd like it. Also, there's a VR option, and I am not going to do that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally do that to me. I mean, I feel like I've been putting those settings anyway, but obviously." Like, real places that are allegedly haunted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is not Mac compatible. No? Damn it. Like, like dual boot your system or something and install Windows on it. That's too much work. <laughs> I'll <laughs> wait. Is... I'll wait for an eventual console download release and I'll pay $40 for it. Instead of 50 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, do uh do we want to segue into our I guess our our main actual topic? topic? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So, listener, last year Jeremy and I got together and we did a little episode about real hauntings or allegedly real hauntings in historic locations. Or I don't know if they had to be historic. I think we talked about historic locations, yeah. but real hauntings in. Real locations. <laughs> <laughs> and we thought we'd do that again, but instead of talking about nine places, like nine or ten places like we did last time, we're just going to uh, hone it down to four. So we each yeah. have two spots that we're going to talk about. And I don't know, man. I kind of want to hear what, what you chose. I kind of want, okay. want you to okay. go first. So show us or tell us about your first allegedly haunted location. So I picked two places that I've actually been to both of them. So Yeah. Uh, one I haven't been to for a very long time, which is the first one I'll, I'm going to go with. It's in Salt Lake City, where I grew up and lived in that vicinity until I was an adult. So uh, 
there is a old theater in uh, downtown Salt Lake called the Capitol Theater. And it was, it's been around for a long time. It was built in 1913. Uh, it was initially called the Orpheum Theater, but in 1927 they changed it to the Capitol Theater. Um, it has a lot of um, shows that go through it, particularly uh, the Ute Salt Lake Ballet Company performs there. Pretty much all of their shows are there, and they have a big deal with the Nutcracker every year. Uh, I know at least one time that I've been there, I saw David Copperfield there <laughs> as a kid. Um, but in 1949, they had a fire there during uh, a time where there was actually a show going on. So, uh, to this, they still currently do not know to this day what started the fire, but all 600 people, guests in the theater managed to get out. The only person that did not get out was Uh an usher, a 17-year-old usher named Richard Duffin, who was stuck in the basement and died of smoke inhalation. Oh. So the uh, fire captain at the time was able to retrieve his body about an hour and a half later after everyone else got out. But people claim that his ghost still haunts the theater. Um, Things go on. uh, People feel otherworldly presences. They hear voices. uh, People claim that they still smell smoke, especially in the basement. The elevators there will open without someone pushing the door, the button to call it. They will go to the wrong floors, often to the basement. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. They say he is actively the most active during the time of year when the Nutcracker is happening, which is probably the most active that the theater is in general, so maybe that's why. Mm-hmm. And there are also people that say that he has an appearance where he has sunken in eye sockets that with flame shooting out, which, okay, I mean, I don't know. That seems a little like people are like, yeah, he died in a fire, so his spirit's on fire. <laughs> I don't know. I like how his uh, spiritual mutant power is fire eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's also reports of... Uh, another ghost named George who does more kind of trickstery things just like flipping on light, flipping lights on and off or flushing toilets by themselves or like soda machines, uh, not working correctly. Isn't, um, also, yeah. Oh no, sorry. No, go ahead. sorry. Um, isn't, isn't the, the ghost that allegedly haunts pirates of the Caribbean named George? I don't know. I think it might be. Uh, anyway, continue. Uh, there are also reports of a lady dressed in period-style costumes. Uh, but, you know, that could just be, you know, there's period-style costumes at a theater. <laughs> so there's things that could be explained by other ways. But um, 
there was a police sheriff's deputy who worked security there and went on record basically saying that he thought it was all a bunch of garbage until he worked there for a while and said he recalled hearing doors slam uh, with such force that windows vibrated when no one was in the building but him. But he saw that he said that he had seen the woman in like the 1900s clothing and that she walked right past me and sat in the control room with him. So, huh. That is interesting. There's also someone that was like a financial manager with the Salt Lake County Community of the Arts that said that there was something otherworldly in the building with her in 1997 and that they found the elevator operating on its own and they heard doors swinging about and slamming shut after being open for like open like two or three inches wide and they said in their experience it's almost like a teenager trying to get in get an attempt get an attention and the bellhop or not the bellhop but the uh the worker at the theater was 17 years old so i don't know maybe it is a teenager trying to get someone's attention because they're angry that they're stuck in the theater for ever i'm not sure but um yeah, it's interesting. They're saying, this person was saying that, you know, they just felt attacked and that they couldn't speak until the uh, the apparition disappeared. But uh, the uh, sheriff deputy that worked there doing security said, let me give me some tips. Stay away from the men's room on the third floor, which is apparently a place where the toilets would flush and there would, with no one being there, and the, kind of felt like a heaviness there and don't go down into the basement and don't use the elevator so <laughs> i feel like that's a lot of so listen if you want to feel safe just don't do all these things that you definitely <laughs> yeah, just don't, need to just do to get around the house don't go here i guess this is really more what it is but yeah it's just it's interesting i've also a long time ago uh heard evp recordings from there uh i couldn't find any of that now because this is that was probably a good 15 years ago that I heard those and I was looking up stuff on the internet about it to talk about this and couldn't find any of that. But I know I have heard some EVP recordings that people had taken in there where you could hear what sounded like pretty clear voices, if I remember correctly. But it, like I said, it's been a long time. Right. I am glad you brought up EVP. And for the listener, if you don't know what EVP is, it's Electro Voice Phenomenon. It's uh, the alleged disembodied voice of a spirit that's captured on a, a, a digital recording device or analog recording device, just any kind of recording device, honestly. Uh, I'm glad you brought up EVP because for my second location, I'm actually going to talk a place where I've actually been and I did catch an EVP and I'm going to play it. That's awesome. So yeah, I, uh, I, I was trying to find some of these that I'd heard before so I could play them, but I couldn't, which kind of bums me out a little bit. But yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a beautiful building. I've been at, been in it a few times like i said but it does have a feeling to me like and i mean i guess anything that's it's over 100 years old now can feel like oh yeah this feels a little ominous and old and spooky right right and you said you saw some you've seen shows at that theater before? yeah any any like bands of note or 
Um, so when I had been there, it, like I said, it's been a really long time. Uh, I saw David Copperfield there, so not like a band band. Okay. I saw some magic there. Ooh. Um, so that was kind of cool. Uh, I think it's generally more like, it's not where the symphony plays, but you know, more kind of ballet and like plays and things like that than okay. like bands. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's a place I would like to check out again because, like I said, it's been a number of years since I've been in the actual building. All right. So, are you ready? Ready for my pick number? My, my yeah. number two pick? I guess it, it just I'm in random order. <laughs> so, I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about the Myrtles Plantation in Saint Francisville, Louisiana. And it's funny that I didn't know this place existed until I moved out of Louisiana. That is weird. <laughs> yeah, I had heard about it like maybe a year after I moved up to Georgia. But Myrtle's Plantation is a plantation house. Uh, the entire property, honestly, um, was built in 1796. Uh, it was originally owned by uh, the Bradford family. And they eventually passed it on to the Woodruff family. Uh, and the Woodruff family, we're going to talk about them a little bit later. But as far as the house goes, it was sold in 1834. Uh, and then it was actually given its name, the Myrtles Plantation, around the uh -huh. 1830s or in 1834 because of all the crepe myrtles that were on property. Uh, and this house, it still stands to say today, um, but it's it survived through the American Civil War, and in the immediate post-war years, it was owned by uh, the Winter family by a man named William Drew Winter, who lived in the house from 1865 to 1871. So we're going to talk a little bit about him in a, a little bit more in a little bit as well. So the house was handed down from person to person, uh, and in the 20th century, it became a bed and breakfast. Now, this is a place that you can rent out today for events or if you just want to rent a room for the night, if you're looking for a nice getaway, um, you can you can rent a room in in the infamous Myrtles Plantation. A lot of people have investigated here. I feel like uh, the Ghost Hunter guys investigated here in one of the earlier seasons of their show. I feel like the Ghost Adventure guys had been there. I'm not a big Ghost Adventure guys uh, or Ghost Adventure fan myself. Um, tons of people have invested, like smaller investigative teams that or investigation teams that that don't have that that large television audience. Um, mm -hmm. This place gets investigated fairly regularly, um, but there are a couple of stories that are, uh, I guess, intertwined with with uh, the Myrtle's Plantation. Excuse me, I had to burp. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I feel like one of them is one of the the oldest, I guess, urban legend, ghost, ghost story, folklore tropes you can, you can say is that it was built on a Native American burial ground, uh, specifically the, the Tunica Native American, uh, Native Americans in the area. Uh, but I feel like you can just say the entire country of the United States was built on Native American burial yeah, ground. Uh, my second place has got Native American burial grounds in, involved in it as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. 
Um, Nagpra, doing really good work out there. Um, so, but I feel like the most famous story from the Myrtle Plantation is of a girl named Chloe. You know, Chloe was an enslaved girl uh, that was owned by the Woodruff family. Uh, and there's a couple of different stories that that involve Chloe. I'm not 100% sure which one has more merit, but there is one that's more popular than the other. There is one story that claims that Chloe was the mistress of Mr. Woodruff. And knowing the enslaver-enslaved relationship, that's something that would not be out of the question. Yeah. Um, so it it's probably more than likely something that happened, a uh, very awful thing that happened, but there's no documentation of it. Um, but the most popular story about Chloe is that she would often like to eavesdrop on Mr. Woodruff's business, and she was caught and punished more than once. And the final straw for Mr. Woodruff was, well, if you like to eavesdrop, I'm just going to cut off your ear. And I can't remember if it was one ear or both ears, but she she was punished and had either one or both of her ears chopped off. And the story goes that because of that, she wore a head wrap to hide the wounds of her ears. Mm -hmm. And as revenge, she poisoned the Mrs. Woodruff and their two children. Their two children. I can't remember if it was two daughters or a son and a daughter. I'm pretty sure it was two daughters. Okay. Um, And she poisoned them by... Uh, baking poison into a cake, a birthday cake. And then they all fell ill and passed away. At least the children passed away. Um, I think Mrs. Woodruff passed away as well. And then obviously, being the person who handles the food for the family, she was punished. So she she's like, oh, well, you, or they said, well, you, you, you killed my wife and my children, so now you are going to die and she was allegedly hanged on property and the ghost of chloe is one of this the legends or ghosts that allegedly walk around the house Uh, a lot of people who stay there say they often hear footsteps going up and down the stairs they often see um, adult-sized shadows uh, shadow formations and shadow shapes um, and also uh, figures, uh, apparition figures of, of an enslaved girl walking around uh, the, the plantation uh, inside the quarters and outside the quarters. Um, there's actually a very famous photograph that if you just Google Myrtle Plantation Chloe and hit Google Images, I bet it's going to be the first one that comes up, maybe if not the within the first two or three. And it's a it's a photograph of of the two the one part of the house next to an addition to the house and in between the addition there's like a little gap and you see the formation of a shadow of what a lot of people believe is um chloe um it's a very famous photograph are you looking at it right now 
No. Oh, okay. But... I thought you, I thought you typed it up whenever I was. No. There. Sorry, right. I, I was just listening. <laughs> but there are some other photographs that people have taken that claim that Chloe's in there. I I question a lot of those photos personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of it's more than likely periodolia. Um, which is just your eyes making your eyes and brain making sense of the shapes that you're seeing. Um, but uh, as far as the wife and the two children, there's a mirror. There's an old antique mirror in the foyer. Foyer? 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 Whatever. Foyer? One of those two. Sure. Um, and allegedly, when guests late at night look in the mirror, they they claim that they see the wife or the two children behind them while they're looking at them in the mirror. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, uh, I did mention, uh, winter, William winter. And he was the guy who owned the, the plantation from 1865 to 1871. So you're, you're log, you're looking right at the end of the American Civil War and into Reconstruction. Uh, he was allegedly murdered and shot in in the house on the bottom floor in that foyer. And there's allegedly a giant blood stain on the wood that just for some reason cannot wash away. Ooh. And the legend says that that's where William Winter was killed. And it just they just can't clean it up for some reason. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, now I'm looking at photos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one's creepy. Are you looking at the one where she's standing between the two ho- piece parts of the house? I was. I saw that one first, and now there's this more recent one that some that where she's like supposedly in a reflection in glass behind these two people. Oh yeah. That's the one I'm like kind of eh about. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the proportions don't line up. Cause isn't it, she's just like seen in the entire bottom half of the, of the, the window the window pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like that one's kind of eh, but the other one's pretty interesting too. Yeah. I, um, there were some. I, whenever I was researching this, there was like um, there was one website that I I totally just threw all this information out. They were like, "There's no evidence that the Woodruffs or whatever family, one of the families that lived there, ever owned enslaved people." And to that, I call bullshit because if you are calling your property a plantation, then you are enslaving other people because that's how that's how. The southern economy worked. Yeah. If you had a plantation, you owned people, and you got free labor, forced free labor, and it was not right, <laughs> and uh, yeah. it was it was pretty awful. So that's why we're calling it enslavement. So, um, I still I still to this day, people have like whenever I worked at the museum, uh, people had the audacity to come up to me and be like. Yeah, but weren't people, like, nice to their slaves? And then I would just say, no. And here's the hint. We're still calling them enslaved. Enslaved. (laughs) They have no rights. Of course, it was awful. Um, It was atrocious. And that's why the 13th Amendment, to an extent, um, 
abolishes chattel slavery. There's that fine print, though, that we got to fix. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a whole other rant for a whole other episode. <laughs> so that's my first pick, Myrtle Plantation, St. Francisville, Louisiana. I want to stay there one day. Yeah, it looks interesting. There's a lot of pictures. Some of them are questionable, but yeah. Huh. Very cool. Well, my my second pick is a place that I've been to much more recently, and in fact we put out a video about it not so long ago, is the Lake Shawnee Amusement Park in West Virginia. Ooh. I, I saw your video from this, so it looked, that, like, legit looks like it would be haunted. <laughs> yeah. And, well, there, there's been a lot of death there. <laughs> so, oh, why yeah. don't you spin me a yarn? So, Mercer County, West Virginia, was the home to a Native American tribe, tribe until a European family named the Clays attempted to settle the land and basically started a, a big turf war. Wait, and, were they trying to steal land from the Native Americans? Uh, pretty much, probably. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that settled, probably sounds like... But, yeah. That, that sounds like the white European MO for that time, <laughs> so... But, um... So, Mitchell and Phoebe Clay were the Clay family. They had a large amount of children as well. I think it was 14 children. Um, but they were the first English settlers in Mercer County. And that was 1775. Um, while Mitchell was out hunting one day, a band of Native Americans killed his youngest son and their daughter, Tabitha, was also knived in the struggle of they were trying to take her away as well. And later, uh, both those killings happen happened on the property. And then their eldest son, Ezekiel, was kidnapped and burned at the stake by the Native Americans, but not on the property. Uh, Mitchell enlisted help from a bunch of other white settlers to avenge his family. And after burying the children, he murdered several of the Native Americans. So, you know, I guess eye for an eye, but Ooh. also taken, taken land, but, you know... But almost 150 years later, uh, there was a businessman named uh, Conley Sinau, and he purchased the site uh, from of the clay farm and developed it into an amusement park. Uh, he built a swing, like a motorized swing set, Ferris wheel, uh, op made a cement pond, so it was a big like swimming hole, but he had paved the bottom and added somewhat of a filtration system um along with there's other things there but those were the main attractions but things continued to happen deaths continued to happen uh there was a little girl that was riding the motorized swing ride that would go around and she died when a truck backed into the path of the swing un unknowingly and she collided with the truck and she died. Ooh. 
there was also a boy who got sucked into the filtration system of the the paved-in pond, the cement pond, and he drowned. Uh, All in all, those are the two most noteworthy, but all in all, six people died while it was an amusement park the first time. Uh, The park was eventually shut down, and the swings and Ferris wheel were sold off, and the additional structures that sat there basically just sat there and rusted and rotted. Uh, But then in 1985, the land was purchased by Gaylord White, who was a former employee of the park before it closed in the uh, the mid-60s. He actually met his wife at the park, and he bought the land with interest in reopening it as an amusement park. And weirdly... He was trying to replace those two rides with the same models of rides. So he went out looking for those rides and purchased them unknowingly actually repurchasing the exact same rides. Like, not just the same model. He purchased them back from someone else, not knowing initially that they were the exact same rides that they sold. Oh, so he... Oh. So the the equipment was sold off. Yeah. And then he went to replace it, and the one that he purchased was the one that the person bought from the park. Yes. Like, literally the exact same. The exact same ones. Wow. Which is really bizarre. Oh, that is really weird. And it, you said he did it for two of them? Yeah. Because they had, like, two actual major rides. The rest of the, the attractions weren't really rides, per se. Um, but yeah, he replaced the Ferris wheel and the swing with apparently the exact same ones that got sold when they closed that down is, the park. That is a weird coincidence. Yeah. Um, so he purchased these things with the intent of reopening the park and they briefly did reopen it in 1987 but then had to reclose it in 1988 because when they were digging, um, I guess they referred to them as mud pits for like mudding with cars, like almost like a, like, like a destruction derby, almost kind of situation. They were digging pits for this. Oh, okay. They found Indian burial grounds or North Native American, not Indian, excuse me, incorrect, (laughs) but yeah nomenclature but yes they found a burial ground of native americans on the property while they were digging for this so then they're like oh okay we're not gonna dig this up anymore and they've smart move since made like a little monument there where they found the burial grounds and the person that bought it whose son i've actually met who took us on the tour when we went there has said that they want to build like a museum for the Native American artifacts that they have pulled out of the ground. But um, his son, Gaylord II, who is who we met, um, has said the swing ride sometimes will start to move underneath your hand if you put your hand over the swings. Mm-hmm. And that you can feel cold air blowing through the seat. And if you go to the middle 
where the actual mechanisms that run the ride are that you feel a warmth and that they believe that that's the little girl's spirit. Interesting. So people, he told us when we were on the tour that people would come in knowing, you know, that the little girl died there and people that were sensitive, because I don't believe he even told us on the tour, which seat it was that she died on, but he knows and that people would go that were sensitive to, you know, paranormal things would go directly to the seat where the, the little girl was killed. Huh? Without being told which one it was and that that had happened on a number of occasions. Um, he has also even claimed to see the little girl in an apparition in a bloody dress. Don't know. He didn't tell us that. I actually just read that as I was looking up more information. Um, but um, let's see, what was that? Oh, I had some more written down, but maybe I, oh, there we go. Nope, that's it. I guess that's all I had specifically written down. But um, yeah, it's just really interesting because we went around, we took the tour. Um, he showed us some photos of apparitions. He actually showed us a video as well where there was a pinwheel that was stuck in the side of one of the uh, ticket booths. And people were taking video of it. And they were talking to, I guess, a spirit, you know. And when they would ask it to move the pinwheel, it would the pinwheel would start spinning. Interesting. And then when they stopped talking to it, it would slow down and then it would stop. Which was weird because then he took us over and showed us where it was. And, you know, it's just sticking in the, out the side of this uh, ticket booth that looks abandoned. Um, yeah, and was just telling us a lot about how people would come and, like I said, go directly to the seat that the little girl was in. They would specific buckets on the ferris wheel you were more likely to see an apparition in and it's funny because someone had commented on her video and said okay at this timestamp, there's a human-like form that neither one of us noticed when we were actually making the video and it really weirded us out <laughs> Until I went back to the original footage of it and zoomed in. It was just branches and stuff. Okay. <laughs> so we didn't actually see anything, but it did just have a weird feeling to it. You guys went, it was it was raining that day, wasn't it? It did start raining, yeah. And you guys didn't go into, like, the haunted house attraction. No, we didn't end up going. I mean, it wasn't all decorated. Like, some of the stuff was there because they would just leave it there. But he also told us it was mostly built out of, like, shipping pallets. And I'm just like, mmm. Yeah, it's that's... like, go in there and look. And I'm like, yeah, but if it's not prepared, then I don't know that I feel like it's, like, safe. Yeah, that's a smart move. But, um, yeah, especially, the like, the Ferris wheel and the swing ride just it's interesting to see like how nature has kind of taken it back over because they don't run the rides. Mm -hmm. um, they do do the haunted things. They do do tours like we did. And the, there was one other couple on the tour 
when we went, and they were actually staying the night there. And oh, he was, they were like camping there. Yeah, they were camping there, and the uh, the family, like the owner's son or whatever, that was doing the tours had told us about people that had come to camp at night and left at like three in the morning just because they were hearing things and thought they'd seen things like apparitions and on the Ferris wheel. And they were just like, Nope, Nope. Leaving. <laughs> huh? So yeah, I, 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 I don't know I, if I would want to camp there or not. <laughs> I don't know. I think it might be worth it to do it just once. Yeah. I think it might be fun to just to do it once. Maybe we should go, Jordan. Maybe we should. <laughs> I'd be down for that. I think that would be a that'd be a fun video to to make. Just a little a adventure, road trip, and then camp, and then trip back. Um, I know that there have been a lot of um, claims of haunted amusement parks, um, and even like Disneyland and Disney World has have a couple of their stories. Yeah. And I always thought that that was a very interesting thing because I've, you know, I've been into the paranormal for a while now and I've been investigating it close to 13 years at this point. And that's like the one thing that I'm, I'm really curious about as far as hauntings and why we don't hear about more haunted amusement parks because like the one of the hypotheses of if, if, these things exist. If ghosts, spirits, or, you know, whatever you want to call them yeah. exist, entities exist, that they're made up of some form of energy. They have to be made up of some form of energy. And in order, you can't just, like, when you die, you don't you don't just stop having energy. Like, your energy has to move Go to somewhere. another form. Yeah. yeah, right? And if energy feeds off of other energy... And like theme parks, like people, there are thousands of people at theme parks. Yeah. And all of the energy that those rides are creating with the electric and the electromagnetic field and like the electric energy, not to mention all the water that's consistently running. So like the hydro energy that's just kind of moving around yeah. and just all of the people walking around. Like I would hate to be an empath and walk around Disney World because I think like I would, I, my nerves would consistently be shot if that was the case but i i just feel like there's just enough energy to go around in theme parks and just amusement parks that would keep whatever's there just kind of i guess juiced for lack of a better phrase so who knows yeah. well and you know both like disney world and disneyland like people have died there mm-hmm for, for various reasons. Like, there's people that have had heart attacks. There's people... I mean, even the little amusement park that I grew up around in Utah, Lagoon, like, there was a, a big story. Like, it happened when I was fairly young that they have a little kid, kiddie roller coaster where the a kid got out of the car. He actually went to my school and stood up after he'd gotten out of the car and the train went back over and they couldn't stop it in time and it hit the kid and he died. Boop. <sighs> you know, and also not to mention a lot of like suicides that happen at those places. Yeah. 
or even like, you know, if you're going by energy, like even attempted, there's people that have tried to, to mm-hmm. like, like jump off the, the, uh, the, the steamboat, like it's Mark Twain, one of them and the Lily Bell in the other park and, you know, have not died, just got injured and whatever. Right. Right. Ugh. Or, you know, the people that try and have their cremains spread in places in the park and the haunted mansion and then just the parks in general. And I don't know how much, you know, goes into that, but when you die, I mean, your energy goes somewhere. Is it still in your, you know, dead body? I don't know that I believe that, but still, well, I mean, like an energy to it you know i don't know it's weird yeah i mean i'm not a physicist but you know it, when when yeah your energy has to go somewhere so where yeah. does it go is the question um anyway so let's segue god i keep burping <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm drinking this soda maybe i shouldn't be drinking a soda while while recording um so i'm going to talk about a place that I've been to a couple of times in Louisville, Kentucky, called Waverly Hills Sanatorium. And it's got a pretty big reputation as far as being one of, probably one of the most haunted locations, or one of the most known uh, haunted locations in the country. Um, So Waverly Hills Sanatorium opened in 1926. And there's a common misconception with the word sanatorium versus the word sanitarium. And I feel yeah. like a lot of people put those two together. So whenever you say Waverly Hills Sanatorium, they think it's kind of like an insane asylum. And that's not the case. A sanatorium was a tuberculosis hospital. And the original version uh, – or why? Let me, let me back up. The Waverly Hills, how it stands now, was opened in 1926. However, there was a – a couple of smaller versions of the hospital between 1910 and 1926 that had existed. Um, and the the way the building sits now, it is a large five-story building, and it kind of has – it's built on top of a really tall hill in Louisville, and it kind of has a curvature to it. And the way – the reason it has a curvature to it is because uh, the way the wind blows on that hill – the uh, the wind would catch that curvature and would blow uh-huh. through the halls, which would blow fresh air through all of the hallways. Okay, and that was and that was on purpose because again, it's a tuberculosis ward, and at the time, yeah. a lot of tuberculosis uh, treatment was very archaic. You know, for the time though, they thought that it was something that was helping people, um, and yeah. the, the number one thing was like. Just get people fresh air. If they're breathing fresh air in their lungs, their lungs will become stronger, and then the risk of tuberculosis goes down. And to an extent, I think that helped a number of people, but I feel like a lot of people also relapsed with tuberculosis. But they were also experimenting on uh, really, really odd treatments. There was like shock therapy uh, that was going on for tuberculosis. Um, Yeah, I know, right? There was also uh, – I read stories whenever I was there uh, about um, removing the bottom rib, one of the bottom ribs of somebody, and then purposefully collapsing one lung Weird. so they could make one lung stronger 
And the, yeah, it's a lot of really weird early 1900s, just archaic medical science yeah. was going into this. Um, and the building could house 400 patients. And the rooms were set up. The rooms were very interesting because each room had a balcony. Because if you were in your bed, your bed was on wheels, and then the nurses or the doctors can push you out onto the balcony so you can breathe that fresh air. You had, like, a nice little overhang, and if you wanted uh, to be in the sun, you can get pushed out a little further, and you can kind of get out in the nice sun. Um, and I had read somewhere, and I don't, I don't know if this is 100% true, but I had heard that Waverly Hills was one of the reasons why personal headphones became a thing. Interesting. Because whenever they built the new location or the, the larger building, each room had an electric panel in it that you could call the nurse from. But it also had a socket for personal headphones, and you can dial into the radio stations, like the, the one local oh. radio station that they had. Um, so personal headphones kind of became a thing because they were producing them for the patients at Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure on that story. I don't think that is 100% where personal headphones came from, but I think it was probably kind of at the start of having personal headphones. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the rooms were set up very interesting and, uh, there were a lot of people that were, that were. I guess I don't want to use the word committed, but we're, I guess, checked in to Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Yeah. And a lot of these people were parents that had children. So on the roof, there were like some little, there's like some playground equipment. Um, the way it's set up is the first, second, third, and fourth floor are all very full floors. And then the fifth floor had, a, it was a smaller section of the top, uh, the top part in the middle. So mm -hmm. it had less rooms. So it had like, Roof space on either side of that fifth floor building or that fifth floor. Like, if that makes sense. Uh, and there was, like, playground equipment up there. So okay. the children – so if if you had children and you couldn't go home, like, your children were just kind of there. And they had to go somewhere. Um, there was also some hospital rooms on the fifth floor – and that was also the nurse's office. I think that's also where a lot of the, the nurses would go for breaks and check in with their du for their duties for the day. Uh, there was a lot of death at Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Uh, the er, tuberculosis was such a big killer in that era that deaths were happening so fast that they had they were essentially wheeling bodies on top of bodies wow. and there's one part on or of Waverly Hills it's it's referred to now as the body chute but it's basically on the first floor there's this long chute that goes all the way to a basement level and that was originally the entrance for all of the employees so they would get dropped off to work or they would come and park and then they would come in this bottom chute and walk up the stairs or they would also wheel up like medical supplies. So th there's stairs on one side and there's a ramp on the other. And it is a long way to walk down. I've actually walked down it and my, my legs were sore by the time I walked back up. Dang. But it got to the point where so many people were dying that this body chute was just stacked with corpses. 
Like their wow. morgue was overflowing. And it, it kind of got to the point where when people were being checked in and the hospital was like, this is a great place. We can treat you. They're also seeing like four bodies being wheeled by. So it didn't really give people a lot of confidence. Yeah. Um, so this was probably the primary tuberculosis ward in the Southeast, if not in the country, probably up until about the early 60s or the 40s to the 60s, the um, attendance dwindled because of the invention of streptomycin. So the like, antibiotics were created yeah. and it pretty much like wiped out tuberculosis. So by 1961, uh, Waverly Hills just shut down, and the handful of patients that they had left were wheeled off to just sm sm smaller surrounding hospitals to eventually get, uh, you know, medicine. Then it reopened in 1962 as the Woodhaven Geriatric Center, and it kind of had its own troubled uh history with just consistently being understaffed and overcrowded and there's also a lot of cases of elder abuse mm. and uh lack of care for for the people that were um that were housed there so woodhaven closed in 1982 and probably for like about the last 20 years it, it's been reopened for tours and investigations there's actually a family that that owns it and they actually charge groups to investigate so if you want to rent out the place for eight or nine hours you need 10 people and it's a thousand dollars so it's basically a hundred dollars a person minimum of 10 people and you have you get a tour and you get the place to yourself from like 9 p.m to three or four in the morning three okay. four five o'clock in the um, and I've done this twice, actually. And it's an, it's an interesting place. It's an interesting place. Um, and so all of that money that they're making, after they, uh, you know, pay themselves, um, all the money has been being saved up to eventually renovate this place and turn it into um, a hotel. Uh, and this is a... this. Is a really, really interesting place. So whenever I went, the first time I went was probably, God, I think it was probably like nine. No, it was probably like eight years ago. And I got dive bombed by a bat. <laughs> so we, my, my friends and I, my friend Tommy and I, we were on the first floor. Oh, hold on. Let me, uh, before I talk about personal experiences, let me talk about some of the claims of paranormal activity there. Um, <clears throat> so it's open for the seasonal investigations, but there's also a seasonal haunted house. So that's something else that they offer uh -huh. during the months of September and October. They do like a nice staged haunted house on the bottom floor only. And it actually makes them a lot of money. And they also use this money to put towards restoring the place. Um, in the body shoot, there are, are a lot of claims of shadow figures being seen at the bottom. Now, when you're, it's kind of hard to, to describe, but when you're standing at the top of the body chute, you can see the door all the way at the end. And it's, it's oh, really wow. tiny because it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's way down there. But you can see the ambient light 
come in through the door at the bottom of the of this chute. And the closer you walk, obviously, the bigger the door gets. And when you have that ambient light, it starts to light up the wall, like reflect off the walls of this chute. Uh-huh. And uh, you've, uh, I've personally seen shadow movement block out that light between me and the door. Whoa. And this is something that a lot of other people have experienced as well. And, I, you know, I at first I'm like, this is clearly my eyes playing tricks with me. But the closer I got and the brighter the ambient light got, something that had mass would block out that light. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah, uh, that is crazy. Yeah. On the third floor, there's a shadow man that's also known as, I guess, the Creeper. And he's called the creeper because people sometimes see him crawling on the floor. Like just a, sh- a black shadow mass just crawling archaically on the floor, sometimes Ooh. on the walls. Yeah. Um, sometimes uh, they'll see a full bodied shadow on the third floor as well. Creepy. Uh, yeah. And on the fifth floor, which was the nurses' quarters. There's a story about a nurse who committed suicide there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. One hundred. I I feel like she had hanged herself in a closet there, and so a lot of people will see like the apparition or a, a shadow outline of a nurse with like one of those old nineteen forties nineteen thirties nurse caps. Yeah. Um. And something that was really interesting when we were there is we were at the, we were on the fifth floor, and I was resting. It was it's this weird wall that you can tell had a it was a wall that probably came up a little bit higher than waist high, like maybe like almost chest high to me, mm-hmm. and you can tell that there was a a plate of glass that would go from like the chest high all the way up to the ceiling at one point, yeah, because there was a little slot that would have been fitted for for glass. But it, was, it wasn't there anymore. It had been long gone. And I was kind of leaning up on it, like, you know, I was crossing my arms, leaning up on it, and my, my head was resting on my arms. And all of a sudden, the entire room just reverberated. Yeah, it just, like, to the point where, like, I jumped back, and we were all trying to find a source for the reverberation, like... There was nothing going through the pipes. No one turned on any kind of water. No one turned on any kind of HVAC system. There was nothing going on. And just, like the entire room just reverberated. Like it shook. And then, yeah, it was it was interesting. And we were, we were trying to find a source for it, and we couldn't. Doesn't mean there wasn't a source for it. I'm just saying we couldn't find one. Yeah. So that's still up in, like, my... Well, that was weird. Yeah. Um... So uh, I was on the first floor with my friend Tommy. And the first floor, the the floor is all concrete. And the walls are concrete as well. So when you're walking, all the sounds of your footsteps are echoing off of all, like, the con- it's echoing off of all the concrete. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I, we're, we were right next to the morgue. And we actually, we popped in the morgue and I got my obligatory picture of laying on one of the gurneys. Um, (laughs) And then 
when we came out, I had a flashlight and I saw, I was like, oh, what's that? And I, it was up on the, up on the wall. And there was just a bat chilling on the wall. And then I was like, oh, look, it's a bat. That's cute. And then after I said, it's a bat, the light, like, it just looked at me. And, like, it went like this. <laughs> and I it know. just, it, it honed in on me, probably because I was flashing the light in its face, probably, obviously. But and then it just dive bombed me. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's audio of me yelling and running from a bat somewhere. <laughs> um. I've I've actually experienced a shadow figure on the third floor. And there's also a very famous video. You can find this on YouTube. So listener, if you're curious about this, you can just type in um, Waverly Hills Sanatorium Ghost Children. And you'll find this video. And apparently from not my investigation, but a- and just an investigation from some time before I had gone. I can't remember which floor it was on. But uh, an investigator just set up a video camera. And he had the uh, the thermal imaging on. <laughs> and he just let it he just let it run. And you can tell, like, whenever he passes in front of the camera, you can tell that, oh, that's, that's the investigator. Because he was much hotter on this thermal camera. We had let it run for a while. And... Out of the left side, I believe it's the left side of the camera, you'll see two children walk into frame and just stop right in the middle of the camera. I think it's two. It might be one. Um, Fact check me on that. Are you looking it up right now? Let's see. I think think it's... It's it's one or two children, and then they just walk right back off of camera. This is real real time fact checking, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Can you feel the tension for Jeremy's confirmation? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I probably should have watched the video again before I recorded. I'm pretty sure it's two children, and it looks like like the way the outline is. It looks like they're wearing some kind of 1930s, like 1920s 1930s garb. Um, I haven't seen the video in quite some time, so I should I should go back and watch that. Um, maybe if I remember correctly, I or if not remember correctly, but if I remember, I will uh, l- just post the video on the on our Twitter page. There we go. So, oh, did you find it? I think maybe. Let's see. Thermal image at ter- tuberculosis sanitarium. Real time watching right here, everybody. Maybe they maybe they enter from the left side and then they exit on the right side. Anyway, but the point is like the video the video's out there. Like you can yeah. find it. So um but there is uh let's see. There is a an EVP that I caught whenever i was there that i want to play for you okay so let me set this up for you i am on the first floor with my friend tommy and like i said the entire first floor is just concrete so when you walk 
you can hear the echo of your footsteps. Now, also if you're talking, your voice would reverberate and echo off of the walls as well. So if we were talking, you would clearly hear us talking, but we're not, yeah. we're, just, we're just walking. And then all of a sudden, or well, I didn't hear this until I got back home and I played, went and listened to my audio, but there was something that yelled at us that we didn't hear when we were there because it's loud enough on the recording that if we heard that, we would have responded to it. So none, the two of us didn't hear this when we were there. So let me go ahead and play it for you. Did you hear that? Yeah. Let me play it again for you. So you hear us walking. Yeah. You hear the footsteps, the clump, 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 and then you hear something yell, hey. It kind of goes, hey. Yeah. I'll play it one more time. <laughs> we did not hear. We did not hear that when we were walking. That's crazy. But it's loud enough that you heard it on the recording, right? Yeah. So if you heard it, I'm just holding up my iPad to my microphone. And if you heard it through that, then everyone else who listens to this episode will be able to hear that. Yeah. Um, we didn't hear that when we were there. And that's something that we found on our audio later when we got home. That's crazy. Yeah. There's we have like a number of other EVPs, but that one's probably my favorite just because it was like we weren't talking to anything. We weren't talking to anyone. We weren't talking we even talking to each other. We were just walking and something yelled at us. That is bizarre. And that's where really Hill Sanatorium. <laughs> that is, Are you still, yeah. <laughs> still looking up the video? Flashlight communication. Eh, I, I'm, I'm on the fence on that whole flashlight communication thing. I know a lot of people put stock into it, but I'm, eh, eh. Anyway, buddy, we have been recording for almost an hour. Oh, oh, there we an go. an hour and a half. Oh, did you find something? I think, I think I found it now. Oh, the video? Oh. Yeah, right? Weird. Mm-hmm. Because they, like, kind of flux it and out, too. Yeah. Bookmark that, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put it, we'll post it in a, in a chain whenever we release the, ep the episode on Twitter. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah. It's crazy. Dang. All right. <laughs> so now, now you heard one thing and saw one thing that's a little creepy before going to bed. I also should point out that you're wearing a Haunted Mansion shirt. I am. <laughs> recording. Yeah. So. Dang. Yeah, that's crazy. It says it was on Halloween. <laughs> oh, well. The date course, on it, which is silly, but, you know, maybe hey. not. I don't know. Whatever. Well, it depends on if you put stock in the in, in the uh, the the blessed day of Samhain. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. 
Well, man, I feel like we've been recording for a little over an hour and a half now. Yeah. We should probably probably land the plane. Sure, sure. Do you want to do you want me to do the closing or do you want to yeah. do it? Go for it, man. All right. All right, listener. Well, uh, if you've listened thus far, thank you so much. And if you haven't already, uh, we have a new feed. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to our new feed. Uh, we were part of the Twits network. Now we're kind of doing our own thing, but we're still in the family. We just have our own feed for the podcast. Yeah. And because we have a new feed for the podcast means we need all of those sweet, sweet reviews and all of those sweet, sweet ratings on iTunes. Yeah. So if you have a minute, would you just go ahead and drop us a line on iTunes? Tell us, tell us uh, that you like us. Yeah. Or, give or us, don't like give us, us. I don't know. You know, a, a range up to five stars. You know, preferably five stars, maybe yeah. four stars. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say any stars is good. Like, I would, that's I would true. rather get any stars than no stars. That that's fair. That's also fair. <laughs> so, um, Jeremy, do you want to go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you on the internet? Yes, uh, you can find the Magic Geekdom on YouTube and. Magic at Magic Geekdom on Twitter and at the Magic Geekdom on Instagrams. All We've right. uh, put, you know, a few videos out in the last couple weeks. So yeah, and they've all oh, been great. Watch them. <laughs> Why? Thank you. Yeah. Although you failed at your twenty dollars, your twenty dollars challenge. I did. Kara did not, and I did. Criminal I, I feel like Kara really like. I don't know. I feel Kara cheated. <laughs> I can't go to Atlanta and only spend $20 or less than $20. Kara, Kara is not counting something in that. <laughs> don't tell Kara that I think she cheated. <laughs> she's going to hear she's going to hear whenever she listens to the episode. Um and you can find me uh, at Jordan Gastly on all things on Twitter, on Instagram, and my YouTube page, Jordan Gastly. So, uh, my friends, this is what we say at the end. Before you go, be careful because it could be a spooky trap. Ooh, spooky trap. I'm scared. <laughs> do, 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 do. Power hour.